Well, good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. What we should always say to ourselves when we come in God's house is, is there a word from the Lord? We, we come to church with an anticipation to see Jesus and to see him clearer. We're going to continue in our series, All Eyes on Jesus, and we're going to find ourselves in Matthew chapter 28. So if you don't mind, you can turn, into, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. And I was preparing this, this message. I was thinking about a song that uh, when I used to hear this song, I used to always think, wow, what, what a condition um, to be in. And uh, the song is, it was just my imagination running away from me, running away with me. And, and that song was originally sung by The Temptations. It was also sung uh, by Smokey Robinson. And young people might not um, know that song at all. But if you're anywhere in, in my age bracket or older, you know it, like, you know, early 30s. <laughs> Hard life. Anyway, the, the lyrics of the song go this way. Each day, through my window, I watch her as she passes by. I say to myself, you're such a lucky guy. To have a girl like her is truly a dream come true. Out of all of the fellows in the world, she belongs to me. But it was just my imagination running away from me. And then it even goes deeper. Soon we'll be married and raise a family, a cozy little home out in the country with two children, maybe three. Probably was thinking about moving to the Poconos. <laughs> I tell you, I can visualize it all. This couldn't be a dream, far too real it all seems. But it was just my imagination running away with me. And when I used to hear that song, I used to think about uh, how a person could in their mind have a relationship with someone and it seemed so real but it not be true. Um, I don't know about you, but I can even identify with this song because there were times when I had crushes on girls when I was in school and, and could like envision and, and almost act as if that was really my girlfriend, but because I was shy, I wouldn't say anything to them but even the small interactions that I would have with the girl, it would almost seem as if we were in a relationship, but I was in a relationship alone. I mean, in one way it's, it's funny, but in another way it's sad because hopefully I'm not revealing that and, and you're thinking, wow, what a poor guy. I mean, I think. I think often things that we experience in life, we, we experience together. Anybody else identify with that? Yeah. Four people in church on, on the resurrection day telling the truth. <laughs> if you don't mind, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Again, we're in Matthew Chapter 28, we're going to read the first 15 verses. I'll be reading out of the CSB, and it reads this way. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. 
he rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell your brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. After the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. They took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been spread among Jewish people till to this day. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the account of these events spoken by the gospel writers where we understand how you lived, how you died, how you were buried and resurrected and ascended into heaven with eyewitness accounts. And we see the drastic change in those that viewed this in their lives and how they were men of fear and became bold and courageous as they witnessed these things and had the resurrection power from the Holy Spirit that you've even put in them to go out and proclaim the good news. We ask that you would do a work in each one of our hearts, that we would leave this place different than we came in. We thank you that your word always accomplished what you send it to do, that there's power in your word. There's saving grace in your word, Lord. So would you do a work in each one of us this day in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When polls are taken and a simple yes or no is asked in the belief of God, about 80% of America, Americans say yes, they believe in God. When asked about attending religious services, it's below 50%. And when asked, do you practice your faith daily, is less than 4%. That is um, a very big difference from the people that say, I believe in God, in some kind of form. When we hear those numbers, it's, it's startling. And we have to say to ourselves, what kind of relationship is required from the Lord? When, when can we be sure that the type of relationship 
that God requires to, that we have with him would be the relationship that would save us from the wrath of God and that we would receive the grace of God. In the text that we just read, we saw four different groups. And we will look at each one of those groups uh, just a little bit, and we'll focus a little bit more on the religious rulers of that day and try to draw some principles out of that for us to live by and to understand what it is to possess saving faith. The, f the first group that we're going to talk about is the angels. Angels were um, God's messengers. They are God's messengers. And you see them show up in the life of Jesus a couple of different times. They announce his arrival. They, they are there um, celebrating God coming to earth, entering his creation as a man. We, we also see they minister to him um, after the temptation in the wilderness. We, we see they minister to him when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, when he is contemplating and praying what he is about to experience and go through because he loves his people and it to complete the task that he was called to. And now we see an angel sitting on the stone, this stone that was, that was rolled away. That stone was not rolled away for Jesus to come out of the tomb. That stone was rolled away for those to look into the tomb and recognize he was no longer there. But they, the angel is there and, and says, remember, he said that he would raise from the dead, and he is not here. Listen, I have told you, and he tells them what to do. Then we see the soldiers. The, the soldiers experience that stone being rolled away, experienced the angel being there, and it so shook them, it says that uh, it was like they were dead men. They were so afraid. A violent earthquake takes place. Uh, an angel of the Lord descends from heaven, approaches the tomb, rolls back this stone, and is sitting on it. His appearance is like lightning. His clothes are as white as snow. That would be a life-changing event. Imagine witnessing that and then recognizing just days before it's either me or some of the other soldiers were there leading Jesus to the cross and crucifying him. And now we're standing guard over this tomb, and he's gone. What that must have done to their hearts and minds, but how did they respond? They go off and they tell the religious leaders, which I find somewhat strange because the, re the religious leaders were not their superiors. They were um, the Jewish people's person. They should have went back to Pilate or to their commanding officers, but they didn't. They go and they go to the priests and the Pharisees, and they gather together and give them money and tell them what story to say. Which even if you think about the story, it's odd. Because they said, tell them, while you were asleep, the disciples stole the body. If you're asleep, 
how do you know who stole the body? <laughs> they took this lump sum of money. They put a lie in their mouth, and the soldiers had a choice. And they chose to sin against their own conscience. Wow. At that moment, they could have chosen different, but they didn't. And often, uh, we are faced with decisions that we have to make, and, and those small, seeming small decisions could be the very thing that changes the trajectory of our lives. The Bible tells us, for what does it benefit or profit someone to gain the whole world, yet lose your soul? What can anyone give in exchange for his soul? What is so valuable that I would take that in exchange for my soul? And they received a large sum of money, maybe a life-changing sum of money, almost like hitting the lottery. But at what cost? So, so, so now, whatever they did with that money, however they lived their, their lives, and whatever they so-called so benefit they received from that, we, we, where is that now? Where are, where are they now? Um, what is their spiritual condition? Because as we know, God has placed eternity in the heart of all men. We do uh, live on. Uh, after we leave this earth. Now, they could have changed and made a decision after. We, we can't really speak to that, but what they did was spread a lie and affected other people with that lie. And then we see the religious group. For 1,500 years, they had the law of Moses. This, this governed how they were to interact with God, a, a covenant given by Moses. And to keep that law was to stay in right relationship with God. But there came a time when that was going to change. And, and they knew that there was a Messiah that would come, and they were supposed to be waiting for his arrival. But they were so stuck in their religious exercises, what they considered right before God and formulated their lifestyle around it to the degree that a couple of things happened. One, following these rules was easy because they mastered what it was to follow all of these different things. But behind that was supposed to be Drawing closer to God, knowing him, a heart condition, a love for God. These, these rules were put in place for, for various reasons. Some were there for them to exercise how to deal with rest of society. Other parts of that were there on how to approach God. Other things were there for parameters to keep them safe. But all of it was there to show them um, who God was, their need for God. And they were challenged by Jesus and how they kept that law, but how their hearts were so far away from God. And when they started to see God in their midst, because they were so blinded by the way they wanted to see God, so blinded by 
their everyday activity and, and this system that they built, that God is right in front of their face. And they can't even see him. To the degree that things are happening in their midst and they push it off and justify it in some other way. Where, where Jesus is doing miracles and they say, that's from the devil. Where, where Jesus is speaking words of life and is falling on deaf ears to the degree that we have to scheme and get this guy out of here. And often we build what we want to build about this is God. This is God to me. This is God in my life. This is how I'm going to interact with him. We have to ask ourselves, is God right in front of us, revealing himself to us, but we're so bent on living our lives, putting him in a category that we want to put him in, not challenging ourselves with who God really is, believing we have him all figured out, and we can relate to him on our terms instead of on his. What relationship can we have with anyone and say, I'll set the terms, and then you are in relationship with me on my terms? None. We can't do that with other people. How, how dare we think we could do that with God? And often we look at the Pharisees, wow, these are like bad guys. But remember, for 1,500 years, they were given something by God. This is how you relate to me. But in their sinfulness, it got distorted in terms of what it was supposed to do in their heart. With us, we make our own rules in our own minds. And even things that scriptures say, we say, not my God. Not the God that I built in the figment of my imagination so that I could live the way that I want and feel comfortable and justified. Something so important where life and death is on the line. Wow. The Bible tells us that um, we can't set the rules because when we when we set the rules we're very distorted in how we look at whether what we're doing is right or wrong so we have this thought hey i'll interact with god on my terms i'm a good person um and it'll all work out in the end the law was not there for the Jewish people to become self-righteous. It was actually there to show them their need for God and how they could no way be righteous enough to approach God on their own terms and their own merits. The Bible tells us there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. That's why when the person said to Jesus, good teacher, and Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only, only God is, is good. His point was none of us can claim that. We even see how Paul, as a Pharisee, thought he was right in all that he did and how distorted we can become in thinking that what we're doing is the right thing. And he had to get knocked off his high horse. 
on the road. God blinded him and had to question him. What are you doing? What are you doing? He says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus that you're persecuting. When, when, we, when we look at religious behavior, no matter what that thing is, we have to be so careful because when we build our own system and our own mind, how we're going to relate to God, it always becomes distorted. We see this with the religious leaders after they arrest Jesus. They bring him first to their court, and now they're bringing him to the governor's court. And it says in John 18, 28, that then they led Jesus to Caiaphas, to the governor's, from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. Wow. So your view is so distorted that you have this man, God himself, on trumped-up charges, and because later you want to engage in your religious exercises, I can't go inside there and defile myself because that's Gentile territory, and I'm a Jew. Why, you're killing somebody. Even to the point the distortion went so deep that when those hanging on the cross, Jesus being one of them, are there and it's about to be the Sabbath. Oh, no, we can't have that. It's about to be the Sabbath. Break their legs, take them off the cross, because we need to engage in our interaction with God. Wow. And then, after all of that, they saw what happened at the cross. The veil of the temple was torn. There was a mighty earthquake. The sun didn't shine in the middle of the day for three hours. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, now they get this report. An angel came down, rolls away the stone. Jesus is not in there. And we're reporting this to you. But they're so distorted. And who they believe God is and how the Messiah would come, that they even build a lie around that. How deep do you have to be in I'll relate to God on my terms for it to be that way. But the women, on the other hand, expecting to go to the tomb and at least show honor to Jesus, not understanding all the implications of, of what was done, seeing some of the things that he did, probably confused of is, if this was the Son of God, how, how could he be dead? God can't die? When they do see him, what do they do? They worship him. What is, what is it to worship the God of the Bible? Can we approach God on our terms and not consider his? Can we manufacture who he is in our minds and securely say he's going to accept that? Because one thing we all know, sooner or later we're going to be leaving here. Jesus says this in Luke 9.23, starting in verse 9.23, then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, 
take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Often we call Jesus our Savior. And for us that have been rescued by him, he is our Savior. The question can be, can he be my Savior and not be my Lord? So do we have this, this thought that we can have the parts of Jesus that is going to give us a level of security and comfort, but not hear what he just said? If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. You cannot reject his lordship and still have a get-out-of-hell-free savior. We, 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 we don't know everything that it is for God to be Lord. It's the most complex being. We don't know everything about God, but we know that we must believe. We know that we have to walk out our lives with him. We know that if he is our Savior, he must be our Lord. He is in control of our lives. And I don't care if you're here every Sunday or you go to church a couple of times a year. Something's got to be going on in the heart. What kind of Lord? The one that deserves our obedience, not for any other reason other than we love him, we adore him, we want to know him more and more. That is a daily thing. What, what kind of Savior, one that deserves gratitude because he rescued us? Here lies the problem with the religious rulers of that day. Some of them were really anticipating the Messiah coming, and they recognized Jesus for who they were. Others were so consumed in their own lifestyle, the way they wanted to see God and approach God, that God was standing right before them, and they didn't see it. The angel proclaimed who God was and what he did. The women worshipped him. The guards sold themselves out. And the religious rulers schemed and lied. What are the implications of the resurrection? What does it mean for the believer? Other than the fact that once he is ours, we will not experience the wrath of God because he took that for us. But the resurrection means so much more. It proves that Jesus is the Son of God as he claimed. It verifies the truth of Scripture. It assures our future of resurrection. It also verifies the fact that Jesus will be the judge. It lets us know that we serve a risen God. And in his holy high priesthood, he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. It gives us power for Christian living. That's why it was said earlier, we 
every single day we think about what it is that Jesus went to the cross and died, what it is that he rose from the dead, what it is that he ascended into heaven. We don't only celebrate that on Resurrection Sunday, but for the believer, that is the song of our heart. It is the power and the strength in everything we do. It is the motivation for us to live. It is the thing that propels us forward to have purpose, to understand who God is, who, how much he loves us, who he is in the life of the believer. Because he has risen, we have assurance of our future inheritance. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. This is not even the fullness of what it is to be saved. There is so much more. We were saved the day God opened our eyes. We are being saved, and we will be saved to the glory of God. There are things that we have to look forward to. The decisions we make, how we live our life here is so important. Every single one of those groups, the angels, the women, the soldiers, the religious leaders, they all heard the name of Jesus. They all had thoughts about who he was. But one group, those women who worshipped him, who worshipped him in spirit and in truth, who understood he is God. That is the relationship we have to have. And it is picking up our cross daily. The Pharisees knew the scriptures better than all of us put together. But their heart wasn't changed. Um, their eyes weren't open. It, it says even with Paul that, that when he was blinded, it was as scales were on his eyes. And when I just, I have like a mental picture of that in my mind, and I think of that often and pray, God, let the scales fall from our eyes. All of these things of, of self-interest, all of these things that, that we pursue that end up being worthless and dead ends. The scales need to fall. But that is, that is a work of the Lord. You can come up, worship team. In the same way that each one of these groups encountered things about Jesus and had to come view it and conclude something about it. We are challenged with that every time we hear the word of the Lord. Often we come to church or we go through these religious exercises, not fully embracing the fact that God came to earth. Jesus came to reveal to us the heart of the Father, to demonstrate through action 
his love for us, to do something that we could not do for ourselves. What we do with that matters. The book of Hebrews chapter 3, it says, watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. That's what hardens us. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end in the reality that he had at the start. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. There's only God who breaks up the fallow ground in the heart of us all. It is only the power of God that can take a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He breaks up the foul ground by us hearing and receiving the word of God. And when we respond to truth, that is the, that is the beautiful thing about God's word and, and what the Holy Spirit does. When truth is heard, it penetrates in a way that nothing else can. How do we respond to truth that's right before us? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. We've all rebelled. We've all gone astray. We've all went our own way. None of us seek God. He chases after us in his grace and his mercy. Thank you, Lord. This is the day if you are in this place and truth has come in your heart in a way where you realize I know his name. I even believe he is God. I've said those things, but my lifestyle, my actions, my thoughts, my desire to know him more has been absent. But this day, I heard it in a different way, just like Paul being knocked off that horse. Hearing the voice of God for the first time, although he studied the scriptures for years. Today could be that starting day for you or that day where you turn back from the direction that you were going in, running away from God. If you're in this place this day and God has done a work in your heart this day, where you recognize, I can't go on the way that I was going on before. I have to turn around. And, and God penetrated my heart this day. Love to pray with you. So if that is you would, you, would you raise your hand so that we can lay hands on you, pray with you, and speak to you for a moment. This is the acceptable day of the Lord. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. All we have is today. So let us not leave this place believing I fulfilled my religious obligation. I, I got dinner and family waiting for me at home. Tomorrow is going to look like last Monday. 
No, no, this could be something different. This, this can turn things around because God opens eyes and, and layers as the scales fall off. We all have to be challenged with, what is this really all about? So if that's you this day, please raise your hand so that we would pray with you. I'm going to ask you to, to do something else, to, to come up, and we will pray together. Come on, you can come up. Just want to give it a second. If there's anyone else, God is pricking at your heart this day. God starts to move in, in our heart. He's been doing this for a long time. When truth is spoken and it does a work in us, it's the grace of God. And he has a grace for every day. And he will lead and guide you in this walk with him. Walking an aisle is a beautiful thing. God, I surrender. But it's going to be a daily walk. We will be here with you to walk every step of the way. We will also pray that God would continue to bring people into your life to lead and guide you in knowing him. Let me pray for you guys at this time. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We can always speak and do from the outside. But it's you, Lord, that does the work from the inside. It is you, Lord, that brings us to the end of ourselves, Lord. It is you, that opens up our ears, that breaks up that fallow ground, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in their hearts this day that prompted them to come forward and say, help. And when we cry out to you, we need to know you, Lord. We don't want to walk in our own strength. We don't want to do it our own way. We want to be pleasing to you. We don't even know what all of those things mean. Help us as you've become our Savior to day by day understand what it is to walk daily with our carrying our own cross as you work and change our hearts. So we lay that before you, Lord. We ask that each one here would repent, accept your free gift, be filled with the Holy Ghost that will lead and guide them. This is just the beginning. Keep them in your grace, O oh God. And guide and direct their steps, Lord. Reveal yourself to them day by day. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you guys to go over there with Deacon Ray and with Deacon and Frankie. They're going to speak to you for a few minutes. Okay? Church, would you stand so that we can pray together? Father God, we thank you we thank you, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you, Lord, what you have done in the hearts of each one that walked behind those doors, but in our hearts, Lord. 
I thank you what you've done in my heart this day, Lord. I thank you that you've met each need this morning, oh God. Let this be a day, Lord, that is different from every other day. Let us always anticipate as we come into your house, you're going to reveal more of yourself that's going to give us strength to walk out what you've called us to walk out. That we would be refreshed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That we would be encouraged. That we would be corrected. All of those things come from your loving hand, oh God. We thank you for your long-suffering, for your patience, for your mercy, oh God. And we thank you for your grace, Lord, extending to us gifts that we don't deserve, but it was your good pleasure to give. We thank you, Lord, that we have such a confidence that the good work that you started in us is hard sometimes, Lord. Sometimes we feel abandoned, but we know your word says that you would never leave nor forsake us. Sometimes we don't know how we're going to get through the next moment, much less the next day. But we are confident in the work that you're doing in us, Lord. that you're about making us look more like Jesus. We know who we were, and we know who we are, and we know how far off we are from looking like Jesus. So as you do that day by day in the transformation of our hearts, Lord, our minds, Lord, and living in a reality that you have so much more in store for each one of us. You being the lifter of our heads, be glorified this day, Lord. Let us walk out of this place strengthened because of your re resurrection, because you live, because you sit at the right hand of the Father, because you have gone to prepare a place for us, because you have given us the helper, the comforter, to walk out this life and to be about your business and that we can call you Abba Father. Thank you, O oh God. Let's walk in these truths, Lord. Continue to do a work in us. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen.